Wellness Force Radio, Episode 4. I went from MoveNet, which was barefoot in the woods, to this thing indoors with all these pieces of electronics and monitoring systems. Some people thought I was like crazy for making such a switch, but really it's just the same movements. Welcome to Wellness Force Radio, where you will hear inspiring and passionate experts in the areas of wellness technology and behavior change. Your host, Josh Trent, will empower you with the knowledge and tools you need to take the very best actions in transforming your mindset, your body, and ultimately your life. Now, here's your host. Cliff is the director of training and global head coach for FitWall. He's a lifelong athlete and a collegiate basketball player. He's been in the fitness industry for more than nine years and holds a degree in kinesiology from SDSU and is a master instructor for Animal Flow. But he's not just an amazing athlete. He's also an incredible instructor. In the last three years, he's taught over 1,500 people all over the country, conducting 100 workshops covering different fitness systems from multiple companies. In addition to his work in Animal Flow and Fitwall. He currently works with KB Athletics to certify coaches in proper instruction of kettlebell training. Before his work at Fitwall, he ran his own company, BA Training, which taught kettlebell and bodyweight training workshops throughout the United States and also ran booty camp in San Diego, California. He spent a year and a half as a MoveNet and master trainer and coached over 1,400 people in over 80 workshops for MoveNet. Cliff, welcome to the show, man. Thank you for having me. This is so cool because we know each other so well. We just had Burger Lounge together last week and you are going to blow our minds. I know you have so much stuff to talk about in regards to FitWall and what's exciting about the technology you guys are using. We're also going to dive into heart rate, HRV and behavior change, man. So we really appreciate you coming on the show. Very cool. Yeah, that sounds like a good list of topics there. Yes, right in our quote wheelhouse, as you would say. Yeah. Cliff, I want to start, you know, I always am interested in really highlighting someone's story. I mean, I know you quite well. I know your background, but for the listeners, just describe your path up to becoming a fitness thought leader that you are now. When I went to school for at San Diego State, I was undeclared when I started and I was playing collegiate basketball for junior college. I didn't play at San Diego State. And I was always very intrigued with what the human body could do. And my focus was always trying to get better at basketball, get better at volleyball. And what that ended up turning into was just a a complete fascination in how can I get faster? How can I get stronger? How can I move better? And I would find myself, sometimes I just thought I'd look creepy, like I'd be in the gym watching people work out, but I wasn't, I wasn't creeping on them. I was like kind of marveling at what the human body can do. And that made it very clear that that's what I should study is how to improve people's performance or fitness or even their life, really. At that point, I wasn't really thinking about improving somebody's life. At that point, I was you know, trying to dunk harder. So graduated with kinesiology and a couple years later, started in on my own little boot camp, found myself at MoveNet and, and went through all the different things that, that you mentioned in my, in my introduction. I've been fortunate enough to be in the right place, right time, somehow fool people into thinking I know what I'm talking about, and ended up with some pretty sweet positions where I'm lucky enough to travel around and certify other instructors and kettlebells and animal flow and and then also my own company's workshops. Ended up two years ago with this opportunity to start working for a company called Fitwall. And Fitwall was a brand new company opening up in La Jolla, California. So you're pretty familiar with that. Yes, sir. Uh, and it was a, it was a very unique 
concept where they had these these units that I'd never seen before. They kind of looked like a refrigerator with no door and like really shallow shelves, <laughs> um, <laughs> to be honest. And I looked at it and I was like, oh, great. Here we go with another fitness gimmick thing. Like, no, nah, so, you know, I'm not going to take you up. But then I went and I, I, I put down my preconceptions without and gave it a fair shake. And really what I found was that, you know, the fit wall allows the human body to move in so many natural ways, so many unique ways that put these incredible demands on the, the, the entire system to adapt and get better. And that piece of equipment being unique to fit well and something I never played around with, um, I tested it out on myself for about two months. I didn't do anything else. And then I hit some PRs on a number of different lifts like Turkish get-ups and single arm press. And obviously my pull-ups went through the roof because there's so many different pull-ups or pulling options that present themselves on the fit wall. So I, I, I bought in at that point. I was like, okay, well, if I can improve what our you know, we're typically pretty decent strength abilities without specifically training them, then you're really on to something. Do you feel like the fit wall has been the culmination of everything that you've learned up to this point? Or do you feel like fit wall is something where it's just a stepping stone to, to something greater? You know what? It's uh, it's not the culmination. Hopefully it's not the culmination because if I can't keep learning more or getting better, then that's pretty sad. Yeah, yeah. But but it's definitely allowed me to take a lot of the principles that I learned from different methodologies and apply them to this new environment. So, you know, there's we still have heavy things to lift in the studio. It's still important to deadlift. It's still important to squat and, and move pounds. But more important than that is moving your own body through three-dimensional space. And that that includes climbing, that includes crawling, that includes everything in between. Our, our studio allows us to do that. We have open floor space, we have the fit wall, we have attachments to the fit wall uh, for resistance training, and then we have semi-private and private training for like he- for actual heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. Marry that with, we had a, a group of leaders and, and owners and investors that our CEO specifically has a very, very sharp eye for branding, and we had just a fantastic looking studio. And then on top of that, which was new to me, honestly, a couple years ago, was this technology piece where we had an iPad above every single screen. We were going to do heart rate monitoring in every single workout. We have big screen where the, the videos of the exercises are playing on, on both the big screen and on the iPads. And it was this this entire – I went from MoveNet, which was barefoot in the woods, to – this thing indoors with all these pieces of electronics and monitoring systems. Some people thought I was like crazy for making such a switch, but really it's just the same movements, but indoors and with monitoring in addition. Yeah. And, and it's interesting too, because I, I, you actually taught me in MoveNet a few years back and I recently came and took a class at FitWall, which by the way, if you haven't taken a class at FitWall, it is absolutely no joke the the style of workout and what the instruction you get i mean there's 12 people in a class so you have some really close coaching going on and that that actually effectively means you get a better workout and i it was my first time and i was completely blown away i'd love to touch on how you guys are leveraging the the heart rates in the classes can you can you talk a little bit about that yes absolutely it's been a it's been a unique experience trying to make sure that the way that we use heart rate monitoring actually means something so so typical in um in a lot of monitoring is that 
we can measure a lot of things, but if we're measuring stuff that we don't really have in context or any, you know, if we're not acting on the results, then what's really the point for measuring? Now, there's something to be said for as soon as you measure or document anything, accountability goes up. So there's always a benefit for measuring. But if it doesn't give you meaningful data, then, uh, you know, how useful is it really? So, so my number one goal was to make our uh, heart rate monitoring system as useful as possible. And I'm, I'm lucky enough that our tech, our CTO, uh, Chief Technology Officer Joe Bergeron, is basically a wizard behind a computer. And, you know, he, he, he and I working together, thinking about the things that we could measure and how we could measure them, built our platform. So our platform looks like, uh, it looks like a heads-up display from like a first-person shooter video game where on the iPad, there's, the, there's two coaches that are demoing the exercise that you're doing at every moment of the workout. This frees up the actual coach in the class to walk around and put their hands on people and deliver like a, a private training type environment. So on that heads-up display, you see your heart rate percentage, which is based on your own heart rate data. That's a, that's a clear point uh, differentiator to make. Most places when you are looking at your heart rate, it's based on estimates, maybe 220 minus age, maybe a little bit fancier equation. But none, I mean, no matter what, the best you're going to get is like two-thirds of people with a correct estimate. And that's just, you know, having 33% of people have wrong heart rate percentages just based on the parameters that you're guessing is not, a, is not adequate to me. So what we do is we, we base your heart, everybody's individual heart rate parameters on their own performance at FitWall. So we use your first experience at FitWall and measure what your heart does. And at the highest point, heart rate that you produce, we call that your fit wall max heart rate, which is you know appropriate because you can get to different max heart rates based on the mode of exercise that you do. So I'm interested in what your heart does at fit wall, not what it does on a stress test on a treadmill because that's going to be higher. So we take, uh, we take that heart rate data and we, we send you home. We get your resting heart rate the next morning and we then can measure and, and figure out what your heart rate reserve is and then set your percentages uh, for each individual. In every class on that heads up display, you see your own heart rate percentage based on your fit wall numbers. And then you have a zone. It looks like a little speedometer. And there's a colored block on that speedometer from zero to 100. And it's a percentage based. We have three zones. We have rest, which is zero to 60%. We have move, which is 65 to 85%. And then we have sprint, which is over 90% of your max fit wall heart rate. And in every single workout, it's, they're all interval-based. And in every moment of the workout, you are aiming to put your needle in the target zone. If you're in the target zone, then we give you points. We've, we've came up with the interval system that we use so that you are maximizing your time in the gym. It's going from upper body exercise to a lower to a core and then alternating medium intensity, high intensity, and actually programming all out rest. So many places that do high intensity training, all they do is kick your ass for 40 minutes or, or an hour straight. Sure, sure. And all that ends up turning into is really 
poor form aerobic slop. So they actually don't get any of the benefit from training at a true high intensity because they're too tired to actually go hard. You really have to go hard to get all the benefits from high intensity training. Question when you mentioned the the heart rates that are specific to the, the participant, can you touch on what you guys focus on for the actual recovery portion of, of the heart rate that you're tracking? Absolutely. So in those intervals, uh, there are always going to be a certain, there's a certain amount of rest in every single 40 minute workout. So all our minute, all our workouts are 40 minutes. And in each and every single workout, we have uh I believe it's 10 minutes of total rest. So one quarter of your workout, you're actually resting, which blows people's minds because they're like- It doesn't feel like you're resting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you work hard enough, then you're, then you're like right. hugging me because of the one minute rest. If you're not working hard enough, you may not be ready at that point, or you just need to kick it up a notch because you've got a governor on your, on your effort. Um, so what we do is we measure the amount of heart rate recovery that you can achieve in one-minute blocks after a harder effort. Those numbers are very indicative of your aerobic fitness. If it's really low, actually if it's below 12 beats per minute in one minute, you are – I don't remember the percentage and I don't remember the exact study, but you're more likely to have some sort of heart negative episode like you need to get this under control because your health is jeopardized quite a bit. Under 18 is still pretty – there's another study out there that's basically, that basically says like, yeah, this is kind of questionable. If you can't recover more than 18 beats per minute in a minute, then you, you need some work on your fitness. And then yeah. anywhere above that is, is fine. And once we get over 30 beats per minute, you're starting to look really good. And if you get up above 35 and approaching 40, then you are really quite fit. So what we can do is track over time. If you get there in your first workout, uh, you can only recover 15 beats per minute within a one-minute recovery block. That's not too good. Six weeks later, we're looking at you and you're 25. I'm like, hey, look at the improvement that your heart made, that your, that your fitness made mm-hmm. in six weeks. No longer am I worried about you like you know, having a hamburger and then having a heart attack. I'm like, hey, you're actually pretty damn fit. Good job. Yeah, yeah. And it's quantifiable, which, which really is nice to be able to point at and tell somebody like, here you are better right now. Yeah. Having the proof of how someone's actually doing instead of, instead of it being anecdotal, it's interesting. This is the busiest time in people's lives. If a, a busy mom or a busy dad's going into a fit wall or anywhere to work out, it can be, you know, after a couple of weeks, if there's no proof of workout, it can be difficult to continue sometimes. But what's exciting that you're telling me is that now you can actually record how great people are doing during the workout, or you can customize the coaching based off of their data. Exactly. And the coaches get these big, bright displays. Uh, one is a cheat sheet for people's names, which you need the first couple of times someone's in a class. And then two, uh, you get to see like if somebody has their heart rate much lower than everybody else on a percentage basis, not on a per beats basis. Nobody cares about per beats. We, all, we just care about the percentages. I shouldn't say we don't care, but what right. I mean is what's important is the percentage of their fit wall max. If it's really super low, and they don't have a reason for making that a recovery day, we know they're sandbagging and we can get them to go a little harder. Or conversely, if it's much higher than what we want to see it, then we were like, hey, today you need to go easier and treat this like a recovery day because you're running too hot. Or if, or if their recovery on a certain day is much less than it normal, normally is, 
That's a day where we make them uh, do some additional breathing drills and skip some of the high-intensity work so that they can come back the following day more prepared to work hard. Because if you're trying to work hard when you aren't uh, physically ready for it, then you're, you're not doing yourselves any benefit. You're actually digging yourself a hole that you won't be able to get out of. Sure. And, and what's coming up for me too, when I hear this is an explanation of people that might have adrenal fatigue or different issues that are really unique to their situation. What, what I'm hearing is that now during a class, you actually have play by play data of how someone's showing up, what their heart rate is, what their recovery is, and it allows you to be a better coach. Yes. Like for instance, we have a number of pregnant ladies and there's a, and whether or not it's a hundred percent backed by science there, it's a fairly common prescription that doctors will give pregnant clients is to not get their heart rate above 130 or even 140 beats per minute. And so when the pregnant ladies come in and they're like, I'm not allowed to get my heart rate over 130 beats per minute. If I didn't have these heart rate monitors, I'd be like, well, how am I supposed to be able to tell that? But now I've got it on a screen and I, I know I just walk by and I'm like, Hey, Becky, uh, rest. You're at 140. Right. And because, you know, we're not going to argue with doctors and you always play it more safe than, than ever, sorry, with, uh, with somebody that's pregnant. But it makes it very easy. And, and that's the same thing you can do for anybody. If, if it's a recovery day, we just tell them, don't get your heart rate above 75% of your max today. Yeah. Any, anytime it goes over there, slow down, breathe, recover and then get back at it. And I think this is the most exciting portion of how tech is influencing the fitness world is that what we're looking at is, is a greater awareness for not just the client, but the coach. And I think as the future goes on, you and I had touched on this in person, we're going to start to see the data become the disciplinarian. The days of a trainer kind of being the whipping person where they're really giving the client a hard time about not meeting goals. Now it's this beautiful relationship where you can meet with clients, whether it's in the gym, outside the gym, digitally, and you both can work towards the data improving instead of just people going into a gym and, and trying to do, quote, the best they can. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we, we have instances where we have some people that are just diehards and they want to come in seven times a week or maybe even like back-to-back workouts, which, as you pointed out, probably is not the best idea. Our workouts are pretty challenging or they can be very challenging. So we don't encourage people to work out with us seven days per week unless they use the heart rate monitor to keep themselves under a certain percentage on their recovery days. But it's nice because when they don't listen and they show up for the, the two a day, we point at their recovery and we're like, look, Kristen, you're not recovering at all right now. That's because you're not prepared to work out currently. Like you shouldn't even be working out. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm thinking about how this can actually transform in the future, where if, if there is a system that you and I are both looking for right now that can incorporate this lifestyle data within the club data, then let's say if Kristen comes in on a Tuesday, you can actually look at all her, her steps, her heart rate, her lifestyle coming in, and you can know before Kristen even starts her workout that you need to keep her in a certain heart range. Exactly. Like, uh you know, it'd be amazing. You wake up in the morning and your sleep tracker app is synced up with your diet app and uh, you have your workout history. So you wake up, you take your resting heart rate, let's say it's elevated four beats per minute. That's, that's a significant amount for your resting heart rate in the morning to be elevated. That coupled with the sleep reporter says that you didn't sleep all that well that night. That talks to your fitness guide, like digital guide that says, hey, today you should go for a walk and uh, spend some time in the trees or today you should go get a massage. 
Or conversely, like you wake up and your morning heart rate is nice and low and you slept nine hours and it was all very nice REM and deep sleep. And then it says, you know what? Today, go get after it, set some PRs in the gym. Definitely. Uh, that would be very, it, that's, that's where it's definitely going. And there's some pretty cool opportunities out there. This is awesome, Cliff. And I, I want to make a shift into the last piece of the show, which is the behavior change piece. But before we do that, I just want to ask you this question in particular about HRV. It's kind of a buzzword. A lot of people are talking about HRV. I know Joel Jameson does a lot of work at BioForce. Just from you know a personal standpoint, do you have any experience in testing of HRV on yourself or are you just well-versed with clients using HRV? I haven't worked with a lot of clients using HRV. I tested it on myself for a couple months. I actually put it against um, a couple other measures, just morning heart rate, which is right in there, but also a a finger tap test and a vertical jump test to see if when my HRV went down, whether or not my tap test also went down and my jump vertical jump test also went down. Unfortunately, in my own limited data, I didn't get a whole hell of a lot of correlation between those three. And you know what? That doesn't, that doesn't mean anything. So I'm not writing off HRV at all. I think it's a really useful tool. And I think that as the heart rate monitors get better and more consistent with their readings, then it could be something that's much more usable. Right now, the different softwares out there are doing, I think they do a pretty good job of making it clear, but I think there's still enough guessing to where it's not, it's not a hundred percent where it needs to be. There's gotta be a, there's a talented coach can interpret the data and let people know when it's time to go hard and when it's, when it's time to, to back off. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and essentially it's like a really powerful tool set, but behind it, there, there's always going to need to be that human to human connection. So no amount of data or tools is going to replace people. I think there's a lot of pushback from just pe- technology being looked at by coaches or, or, or fit pros as kind of a threat to their business. But I see it as more of a, a powerful tool set that they can capitalize on. I don't think it's ever been a time in personal training or in coaching that there's ever been this level of insight insight into a client's life than there is now. Absolutely. And BioForce HRV and the Omega Wave, both of them are, I mean, they're rapidly improving. And I think that sooner than later, be at a point where you can put that on in the morning, get your reading and know what you should do that day. And it's it's pretty definitive uh, versus like, well, you know, I feel like I could kick a lot of ass today, but it says I need to rest. Mm, yeah. And a greater insight, man. This is this is an exciting time to to be a coach or a trainer, or just to be somebody that's open to technology. And Cliff, I want to I want to transition into behavior change, and this is the last section I, I want to highlight. I know you've trained thousands and thousands and thousands of sessions, and from meeting with people over the past ten years, I mean, it's what are some insights that you've seen? Are there any uh, commonalities that actually make people change their behaviors for the long term? The main thing is getting into that positive feedback loop is having some sort of proof that what they're doing is actually making a difference. Whether that be, you know, hey, this weekend I tried to put on a pair of jeans I hadn't in a while and they slid right on and I look banging. That's really positive and that helps them, that helps set them up for doing more. That could be friends and family noticing and commenting on like how good they look. And Whatever else it, it might be, it might be a doctor's visit, but 
having some sort of positive reinforcement outside of the gym is hugely important because it makes it seem worth it. Because there's there's going to be those days where not everyone has that intrinsic motivation to get up and they just, you know, it's what they do. They have to push through. So once they finally start to see the benefit, they can they can stick to it much easier. Mm, it's it's funny you mentioned this because this outside this this positive feedback loop. We know that every single person is motivated by a different kind of stimulus, by a different sort of positive feedback loop. Fabio Camana uh, talked on this point. We interviewed him a couple weeks ago, and he mentioned how you know with with healthcare moving towards self care and self empowerment, it's ultimately demanding more personal responsibility for the individual. Can you talk about what you've seen based on the gamut of types of clients you've trained? The clients that have been really successful, what types of external framework are they putting into their lives? What types of positive feedback loops are they installing? To be perfectly honest, still the number one thing are aesthetic goals. I'm not gonna, you know, not gonna sugarcoat it. There's a there's a huge mo- movement and for not emphasizing aesthetics, but we're humans. Like humans are always going to have a degree of worrying about aesthetics and what they find pleasing. And if that is a motivator, that's a motivator. Like it's don't fight what's going to be inherently there. Now there's a lot of other things. Once somebody shows up and that may be their first, their first reason, primary reason for why they showed up to my gym. And if I can shift them by showing them like how cool it is to get four pull-ups, how cool it is to uh, get a body weight deadlift, how, how awesome it is to uh, feel better every single day with more energy because they're working out consistently. Those are pretty powerful to be able to shift them into those other things. And they almost forget about the aesthetics. But this, I think that we have a little bit of a, a disconnect from a lot of uh, people within the industry that are, which is nice. It's good to be an idealist, but you also have to be a realist if you're going to be able to help more people. And you know, welcoming people in and not turning away because they, they, they want to look what in their ideas better. That's totally fine. Yeah. And that makes perfect sense. I mean, there's, there is, I would, you're right. The majority of people work out because they essentially want to look good naked, right? I mean, they want to look good in the mirror. That's it. But there is, but there is a chunk of population and, and I think it's deemed special populations. You know, these are people in their forties, fifties and sixties. They have some injuries. They maybe, maybe the first tack on their goal isn't looking great naked. They just want to be able to move pain free. How do you tap into the psychology as a coach for people that want to perform and move better and not just look good naked? I think that the biggest thing in regards to that, because it's it's sort of, there's two slightly, they're not even slightly different, but two different things. One is, is I'll take myself, for example. I really would like to get back to playing competitive basketball and whatever that means, that's adult rec league. Uh, Unfortunately, I suffered a knee injury because I was chasing really big deadlifts and I was jumping off of roofs and silly things like that. (laughs) And it's taken a good amount of rehab. I still have a bone bruise on the head of my femur, which makes it a little bit challenging to to play uh, aggressive basketball. But my goal is to keep my training, moving myself forward to where I can go and play what is the most fun thing for me, like in on of anything is to go play basketball. Then you have another style. And I think there's probably more, not enough adults have activities or games that they want to go play. And 
So none of most of them don't have this goal of training to make them better at their activity. If they if you had more people like that, I think that you would have much better adherence. But you know, unfortunately, our adult population it, it's it's not a, an emphasis in our culture to to have fun and play sports and have activities. The, it, it's almost treated like, hey, that's for kids. Don't worry about it when you're an adult. You have a job to do. And this is why you see so many people that are making money and great success, like 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 Daryl from you know he does Primal Play, the Fitness Explorer. Pe- people that are, or even or even Erwan from MoveNet, or, or what you're doing with Animal Flow. It's it's getting your body into motion, but having a good time doing it. I think there's such a dogma, and the the reason why a lot of people that that may be close to that special population's age range don't go into a CrossFit box or don't go and do something is because it's. Cons- considered elitist and it's a little standoffish. It doesn't look very fun and there's no playfulness to it. So I think you touch on a good point. I mean, at no matter what age we are, there's, there's still a kid inside and I think we still want to enjoy whatever physicality we're doing. So thank, thank you for mentioning that. That, that's, that touched on a good point. Yeah. It's, it's one of uh, the primary constituents of how, uh, how we create our experience at FitWall. It's why we give our workouts silly names. It's why we put funny songs in our mixes. And it's why, you know, we show up to work wearing tights was that we understand that in place of structured play, exercise has mostly for 90% of the population become a form of entertainment. In some cultures you have, you know, they, they get together and they play soccer or they get together and they dance or they get together and they sing. In America, there, there's places where that happens, but our fitness industry is is somewhat of an entertainment industry, almost primarily. You know, if people people aren't necessarily chasing results, they're chasing fun. There's, and this is not a knock on spin, but spin has become a it's dancing on bikes. It's you know the lights are off and they're up and they're dancing. They're literally dancing around for 45 minutes. It's it's not a it's not a total workout <laughs> by any regard and but but it's it's mind-blowingly fun it's like being at the nightclub so yeah. it's absolutely understandable why it's popular sure and and i think what what's beautiful is really combining this playfulness and this fun environment with something that actually yields results, something that, that really makes a difference for people. And so I would encourage, um, if you're, if you're listening and you've never gone to a fit wall class, go try a fit wall class. I mean, the, the amount of music and the silliness and, and the uh, level of workout you get is phenomenal. Cliff, how many locations are there across the country? Well, right now we have uh, two in San Diego, La Jolla and Solana Beach, and then we have in Newport Beach. And this summer we're opening in Brighton, Michigan, Denver, Colorado, and our next studio opening in July is up in Calabasas, uh, just, just north of L.A. Excellent. Well, yeah, definitely. We'll link that in the show notes where people can go learn more about FitWall. And is it FitWall.com? fitwall.com. Cliff, thanks so much for being on the show. I just have one last question. I'm, I'm really excited actually how you're going to answer this. I've been, I've been uh, asking this to some thought leaders and I consider you be a good friend and a thought leader as well, man. So I'm, I'm curious as to how you're going to answer this. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So it's 80 years from now, your last day on earth. You just learned that the internet was deleted, got compromised and it got deleted. Everything you've ever written, your books, your articles, all the stuff you've put out there to teach people is completely gone. So from your life's work and everything that you've learned from working with clients, you only have a page to write and leave behind for the next generation. What would you say on that page? 
don't waste time doing things that you don't want to do. Simple and to the point. I love it, man. Yeah, there's don't waste don't waste your time <laughs> making uh going through the paces and doing the things that you really don't want to do. I mean, unless it's going to get you evicted or like go to jail, like do those things, but otherwise (laughs) do do what you want to do. Where can people learn more about what you're doing personally and professionally? It's not updated terribly regularly because I'm, I'm so busy with Fitwall and, and traveling and teaching some certifications still, but cliftonharsky.com. Awesome. Yeah. We'll link that too. So people can check you out. So where are you headed next? I have about three weeks off here on as far as travel, and then our Calabasas studio will open. Then I have a couple weddings. I have a couple certs in Chicago and Dallas and San Francisco through August and September. Obviously, we still have Denver and, and Michigan to open up. And every week I'm between Orange County and San Diego. So it's nonstop. It's, it's a lot of fun, but it's nonstop. Well, it's a labor of devotion, man. So you're doing a great thing. And I just want to take a second to honor you for the the guy that I've seen transition so much in a positive way. I mean, the, the road of your success that you've had leading up to Fitwall, and I know what you guys are going to do with Fitwall has been phenomenal to watch, man. So so thank you for all that you do for, for fitness and wellness and serving people. Well, thank you for saying so. And thank you for having me on the show. All right, man. We'll see you soon. All right, dude. Bye. Thanks for listening to the show. Head on over to wellnessforce.com slash radio for all the links, show notes, and bonus content. If you're interested in changing old habits with new technology, download your free digital health transformation guide at wellnessforce.com slash radio.